The relationship that Christians have with Jesus is varied from person to person. Uh, just because you've been converted, meaning becoming a Christian, doesn't necessarily mean that you have a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. For some Christians, uh, a relationship with Jesus is maybe a few prayers during the week and maybe showing up on, uh, at church on Sunday. Uh, they allow Jesus to be the sacrifice for their sins, but this relationship uh, with him maybe stops there. And for others, uh, Jesus is an example for us to follow. Uh, but since Jesus is in heaven and we're here, they don't really expect much of a relationship with him. Uh, in fact, maybe the relationship with him might seem distant. The Bible, however, teaches and speaks about an intimate, dynamic relationship with Jesus, one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe there have been many, sometimes in, in your life, maybe you heard about somebody that might have, uh, uh, in their prayer time, maybe have a chair uh, that would be nearby that would represent Jesus being present there or a chair at a, at a table. That's kind of what this represents here today. Um, this is going to be my chair and this is going to represent uh, Jesus and our one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. You know, because the Bible tells us that he has dealt with and felt everything that you've ever felt, every temptation, every, every weakness. And the Bible makes it clear that you and I decide for ourselves what our relationship with Jesus is going to be like. First of all, we have to choose to believe that an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is possible that an intimate relationship with him is possible before we can come to, to have that kind of relationship. A relationship with Jesus is not one-sided. It's one-to-one, one-on-one. Jesus says things like, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. That's John 14, 23. I mean, just think about that. That as you love Christ, as you love God, he says, we're going to come and make our home with you. Is that the kind of relationship that you have with him? Have you ever thought about the desire that Jesus has to have conversation with you, to be one-on-one -on -one with you, to reveal himself and his desires to you and for you? I mean, if you choose, Jesus will become your beloved friend when one that you can have fellowship with on a daily basis. He will not be far away. He lives in us and speaks to our heart. There will be an ongoing dialogue with him. He's not only your friend, but he understands what you're going through and what you face in your life. He is a source of wisdom and encouragement and strength for us. He's your savior, but not only from the penalty of sin, but from sin's power that has an impact on your daily life. Psalm 46.1 says, a very present help in trouble. That's the relationship that we have with him. So what happens is, is that we have a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. He exists in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit. And when he's the center of our affection, your heart begins to understand how Jesus thinks, how Jesus works. 
You know, as you draw closer to Jesus, the words of the Bible, things that you've read and heard before, uh, suddenly they become alive, like dry verses of Scripture that had very little meaning before, all of a sudden are filled with power as you feel him revealing his ideas and his thoughts through his word uh, to all of us. Faith is born in us, and we begin to follow him and walk with him. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. You know, it says anyone who opens the door. That would include us, wouldn't it? That would include you. So I invite you to one-on-one with Jesus. Now, as, as we talk about this, just a few preliminary things I want to mention to you. Um, as you think about one-on-one, God wants you to know that he wants to disciple you and to build your life on the basis of his guidance and his direction, his promises for us. You know, God wants to build my life, me to build my life on his promises, on his truth, not on just some, some rules that somebody made up, but on life-giving promises given to us by God. Uh, secondly, God offers us unconditional and conditional words, promises uh, to us. What that means is there's some things that God has promised us that is going to happen no matter what you do, good or bad. Like, for instance, Jesus is coming back. He promised that, right? That you're not going to affect that one way or the other. He's not going to decide to come back on the basis of something we do or don't do. He's coming back. That's an unconditional promise. There are promises like that in the Bible. Then there are conditional promises. They are promises that God gives to us that he says, if, if you do this, then I'm going to do that. If, if you obey in this way, I'm going to respond in this way. So promises sometimes have a premise. And as the premise is accomplished, then God fulfills the promise. And the last thing is that uh, when you start talking about one-on-one with Jesus, hearing God's uh, promises, there's a couple of different reasons that God says things to us so clearly. One is that God wants to teach us to trust him in difficult times. That's the very first blank on your outline there. Uh, so we're ready to kind of roll along here in this. But he wants us to know that we can trust him. You know, if you never had any bad circumstances, if you never had any big decisions to make, why would you need God? Why would you need uh, him to help you? Why would you need his guidance? Uh, Psalm 119 verse 114 says, when I'm hurting, I find comfort in your promise that leads to, what's it say? life that leads to uh, life. So when we're in situations that look hopeless, we need a word from God, an encouraging word. The scripture comes and helps us and helps us to hold on to his promises. The second reason that he offers us this, where uh, he says uh, to us there uh, in Psalm 119, he says, you are my refuge and shield and your promises are my only source of hope. So he wants us to learn to trust him, not just the pastor, not just somebody in the band. He's talking to you, putting your trust in him. And then number two is to make us more like him, to make us more like 
uh, Jesus. Uh, the verse there, 2 Peter 1.4, says, uh, God made these great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. His nature would become part of us. So one of the things that is absolutely true is that God's number one goal in your life is to make you more like Jesus. He's not like, trying to make you more like the celebrity that you love. He's not trying to make you more like your favorite aunt or uncle or maybe even a parent, somebody that you love and respect. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. That's his goal. That's his desire. And so when he talks, he's saying that. So this series is kind of going to be built, built on this for the next few weeks. Um, now, if we had a little quiz, I might could ask you what you think that the number one area of promise is in the Bible. The number one area of promise. Well, I can guess for you. You might guess uh, it's about faith. Promises about faith. It's not faith. How about prayer or love or commitment to God? Nope. There's, a, there's something that has way more focus, and that's where we're going to start this series because it's a, it's a promises related to generosity. Now, we're going to cover, you know, like almost 20 verses here uh, in just a few minutes, but I could have given you 150 or more. They're everywhere. They're all over the Bible. And so uh, I want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus each week about a different topic that he can help us to understand. Now, the way we're going to do it today is we have these two chairs, the setting will change, and I have somebody that's going to help me. And Tom Worrell is going to come, and uh, he's going to sit in this chair today. Uh, now, there's, there's a few reasons for that, because I'm going to sit down right here with him. Um, hello, Tom. Good morning, Pastor. Good to see you. Thank uh, you thanks for sitting with me today. Now, one thing you might know about Tom is that he's playing Jesus in the Passion Play this year. Uh, you, you've done that before, right? Yeah, that's always amazing. I never can believe he can memorize all of that, all that scripture. So I'm praying for you already. You're going to pray for him, right? Uh, because that's a, that's a big task. And we've had numerous people that have played Jesus, and they've all done fantastic. And I know it's going to be great again. Uh, today, he is sitting in the Jesus chair, but he's not playing Jesus today. Uh, what I wanted Tom to do for us today was to be the voice of the word, the voice of the word. So that as we're talking today, I'm going to talk to you about a whole variety of different things, but he is going to help us be the voice of the word of God. Uh, the, the word of scripture shows up uh, on your outline. It shows up on the screen, but I hope that you'll just uh, hear the voice. He's not Jesus, but Jesus wants us to hear what he has to say, because today we're having a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus about giving, about uh, generosity. So um, I have eight different things, eight different kind of rewards that God offers to us, eight different things that challenge us related to generosity, things that Christ and the word of God has promised to us related to generosity. Now, I know some of you, I can already see it in your eyes. You're thinking like, he's really preaching on giving today. Absolutely. Once a year, I always talk to you about tithe commitment and about uh, generosity because God offers you so many things. I can't not do it. I need to remind you of what it means to be a person of generosity, to be so blessed by God. Now, I know I see you. 
uh, you know, I see what you got on, and I see, you know, and, and, and even if you're struggling, you're still very wealthy in relation to the world. When you think about what God has given you, it's so easy to forget. But he calls us to this place of generosity. So we got a long, we got a lot to do. So let's, let's go. Um, and, and each of these statements um, is, is on the basis of if you learn to be a person of generosity, if you learn to be a person of generosity, here's how God responds to that as he challenges us. So number one, number one is that God promises that good things will happen. Good things will happen to us if we live out a life of, of generosity. So when I learn to give like God gives, when I learn to be generous like him, uh, good things will happen. And so, uh, Tom, help us. Psalm 112 says, good will come to him who is generous. Good things will come to him who is generous. Um, he has another word. Yes, in Proverbs, the word goes, Generous people will themselves be blessed. Generous people will be blessed. If you want God's blessing in your life and you want God's goodness in your life, good things to happen to you, he says, generosity is the key. God promises good things that will happen to me when I'm generous. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? How about, how about amen? Let's say an amen, right? All right, that means that we agree together, we listen to the voice, uh, we hear what he has to say, and we're saying yes. So number two, number two is that God promises that my children will be blessed. My children will be blessed if I learn how to, to be generous the way God wants me to be. Psalm 37, uh, 26. The godly are always generous and their children will be blessed. Wow. Don't, don't you want your kids to be blessed by God? Just him? <laughs> don't you want your children to be blessed by God? Amen. Absolutely. And he says that generosity is a part of that. We need to learn how to be generous. I'm expecting that God is going to bless my kids, my grandkids, Kim and I. You know, we, we are happy, man. We, we love talking to our kids. We want God to bless them. And we have learned generosity early on in our life that if we gave, that God says that he will bless our kids if we are generous. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Number three, third time that God gives a promise here. God promises that he will bless my work and my effort. God will bless my work and my effort if I've learned to be generous. So not only will he bless our family, but he will bless these things that we're involved in, the passions, the effort, um, our, our, our jobs, our responsibility, how we make a living. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. What did you say there? Was that the... The, the third part, the fourth part, what was that thing you said about? I said to honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. The first part. So he's talking about a pretty high priority uh, for us uh, in, our, in our generosity, that we honor God by giving the first part of our income. Anybody know what that's called? I heard it. You, said, you can say it a little louder. It won't embarrass you. Uh, Tithing, that's right, tithing, that's what we call We're going to talk about that a little bit more at the very end uh, today, um, but he's encouraging us. Now, I noticed one word 
that you said there. Um, it was the word then. So would you read that again? The whole thing goes, honor the Lord by giving the first part of your income, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Okay, so now we got one of those, un one of those conditional promises. This is what he wants for us. It says we, we honor him, then he would do that. So what, what, what happens if you don't do the first part? You don't get the second part. Uh, the promise is not fulfilled because we didn't uh, follow the guidance of, of the first one. So what he's saying here is that uh, we learn. Now, you know, he says barns to be filled. Now, there might be a few of you in here to have a barn, but uh, not a lot of us and not a lot of us. Uh, might be a few farmers. You know, back when this was written, just about everybody was a farmer. Uh, it was an agricultural culture. And so um, what that represents is like the things that I have the things that I've been given, the blessings that God has provided, it represents a livelihood. So what God is saying here is that if you learn to be generous, God says, I will bless you. I will bless uh, your efforts. Now we have another verse. In Proverbs 11, it says, a generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Boy, I love that verse, right? I want to be refreshed by God, renewed and uplifted. And he says, as I, as I am honoring God, God is refreshing me. And, and uh, he, that I, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So a, a person who is generous will, will be blessed in what he has done. Uh, one more verse. I really love this verse. Deuteronomy 15.10. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God, your God's blessing in everything you do, all your work and ventures. Hmm. Uh, a couple things there. Uh, once again, you notice the premise there. He's saying give freely, give spontaneously. Uh, don't have a stingy heart. Don't you like that? Uh, that no, not anybody here. They, you left them at home today. But oh, you know, they, uh, he said, don't don't be a, uh, don't have a stingy heart. Uh, and then he uses the word triggers, triggers. So something that is done triggers something else to happen. So your generosity, your generosity toward others, your generosity toward God in, in all that you do triggers God's blessing in all the different areas of your life. Don't you want God to trigger blessings in your life? That's his encouragement to us. Generosity triggers the blessings of God on your job, on the things that you're involved in. Number four. Number four is that God promises that if I learn to give generously, my influence will increase. My influence will increase. Uh, kind of interesting that we're doing influence tonight right there, right? So we want our influence. That's why we're having a leadership development class. Um, so uh, we want, God says, if you're a generous, your influence will increase. Proverbs eleven twenty four. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
So if you, want the, if you want your world of influence to get larger, learn to be generous. If you want your world to get smaller and harder and more difficult and build walls around you and be stingy, uh, then you won't re- you'll have less and less influence. If you've learned to be generous, the Bible says, the more generous you are, the larger your level of influence. Your world expands the more generous you become. Everybody said... Amen. All right. Uh, Number five, God promises that if I learn to give like he gives, if I learn to be generous, I will end up with more. I will end up with more. Now, that's just God's economy, right? That's God's economy. We don't give so that we can get more. I don't give so that I can get a blessing in return. You know, some people take this concept and have carried it way off into some kind of like prosperity gospel. You ever ever heard that? That, that, That's really not true. But what is true is that you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. If I learn uh, to be generous, I can't outgive. God plays this little game with us. He said, let's see who can outgive each other. And you give and he gives back to you. And you give to somebody else and some way that God wants you to give, and then he gives to you. And he says, I promise you, you will end up with more after you've given. Isn't it amazing that you can give it away and end up with more than you had to start with? Pretty amazing. Listen to this verse, Luke 6, 38. Jesus says, give it and it will be given back to you in full measure. What you receive will be pressed down and shaken together but it will still run over and be poured out into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. What a verse, man. We could go home right now. (laughs) Yep. That is what a verse that is. He's saying, give, it'll be given in full measure that you will receive what God, it's kind of like you you, you got to, uh, I don't know, you got some kind of sack. Let's say we got this big old sack of, uh, of grain or some kind of produce you're going to put in. And, and the promise is that they're going to fill up the sack for you. Well, you just don't open the sack there and just say, put in where. No, no, no. Why you, you're just kind of shaking it down, right? You got to shaking it down so that they're going to fill the bag all the way up. So we don't want any air pockets in there. We want to press down, shaken together because it's going to be filled to the very top. And not only that, you hear what he said? That it would overflow overflow into our lap because that is how God wants to get it. Still ran over, poured over into our lap. That's the way you give to others because it's the way that God gives to you. Woo! That's awesome. He wants you to prime the pump. He wants you to give because he wants you to learn how to trust him how to become more like him. I can't be like Christ without giving. You know, God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. Um, You can't, I mean, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I mean, you spell love, G-I-V-E, give, as we give to others around it. If you're generous, God will give you more than you can handle. There's, There's another verse here. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Some people give generously and end up with more, while others don't give what they should and end up poor. Mm. Boy, 
that basically says that you and I are determining how much blessing is going to happen uh, in, our, in our life. So, um, he, he's encouraging us. The verse on the top of the next page there, uh, Proverbs 19, 17. Being generous to the poor is like leading, lending to the Lord, and God will pay you back for what you have done. Do what? God will pay you back for what you have done. Lending to the Lord? Is lending to the Lord. That's pretty amazing. I, you ever heard that? That when I'm giving, I'm lending to the Lord, and he is giving back. Uh, he's saying that we're making an investment. That, that's our giving it away, and God says, I'm going to pay you back. Pastor Irene, you in the room? Hey there. Hey, uh, do you think God has been using our investment, helping the poor and those in need over at Southside? Okay, I, I didn't hear you. Could you say that a little louder? Oh, yeah. Wow, because God asked us to go. God asked us to help. And so we're, uh, we're giving of ourselves. And he has promised that he's going to pour back blessings uh, on us. He says, whenever you're generous to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord and God will pay us back. And God pays good interest back, right? God pays us back. Um, it's loaning to him and he is giving. So it's giving of our investment of what God wants to do. It's pretty awesome. Number six. Number six is that the promises of God about giving and generosity, God promises that if I learn to give like him, God promises to, to what? Read it on the screen. God promises to meet our needs. God promises to meet our needs. That is too good to be true, isn't it? Just too good to believe. It just sounds amazing. God says, if you'll put him first with your money, then you'll learn to be generous rather than being tight-fisted, open-handed, open-hearted, and I will meet your needs. Listen to this. In Philippians, Paul writes, I want you to have, a, have the good that comes from giving. My God will use the wonderful riches in Jesus Christ to give you everything you need. Wow. He says, I want you to have the good that comes from giving. That's why we're having this service today. Don't miss it. Don't miss out on what God is desiring to do through you and through your family. He wants you to know the good that you're having. The, uh, that last part, my, my God, read that part again. My God will use. My God will use his wonderful riches in Christ Jesus to give you everything you need. To give you everything you need. I mean, do you believe that? I mean, if we don't believe that, we just need to get a little knife and kind of slice that out of the Bible, right? Because right? he said that he's going to meet uh, your needs. Jesus said, I will make sure you have everything you need. Not everything you greed, but everything you need. Uh, there are some things that I think I need that I probably don't need. God knows that. All of my needs, all of your needs will be met. It doesn't say greeds, all your desires. Uh, it says that God will meet our needs. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to the needs will receive curses. Say lack nothing. Lack nothing. Say it again. Lack nothing. Lack nothing. A generous heart, you will lack nothing. In other words, uh, he's encouraging us, challenging us to, to put our trust in him and to recognize what he offers uh, to every one of us. How about the next verse? In 2 Corinthians, 
um, it says, you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. Never give reluctantly or under pressure because God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Then God will generously provide for you so that in all things, at all times, you have all that you need and plenty left over to give more to every good work. Oh, man. He says, the first thing he says there is that nobody forces you how, about, about your giving. You know, if, if you know, it's your decision, your desire, ne never reluctantly or under pressure because God loves. You know, if you come to church here and you feel pressured by me or somebody else to give a certain amount in a certain way, then that's wrong. That's not the spirit of, of what the church should be. Uh, you know, I've, I've been around places, you won't believe this, little hometown where I grew up. Uh, I met this, um, oh, I won't, tell you, I won't say the word. Um, you'd know what I was saying if I did that. Uh, but I noticed, uh, I went in one day and was talking to him uh, in our community, and he was a minister there. And I said, what are you doing? And he, sending out, he said, I'm sending out my invoices. Yeah. He said, you know, we got this list here and, you know, giving's down a little bit, so we got we to gotta send out our reminders. You know, we never do that. Uh, we're not putting pressure on anybody because God wants us to be cheerful givers. The, the word is hilaros in, in the original. Uh, we get our word hilarious. You know, so there'll be a lot of laughter in the giving going on, right? I know Cheryl's doing announcements, but, you know, just, just laugh while you're just putting. Uh, he's, and then did you notice that he said, then, and then, he said, then, I want you to read that again, but really highlight, you know, there's a bunch of alls in there, A-L-L. -L. Then, we, we give generously without reluctance. We give with joy and cheerfulness. The person who gives cheerfully, then God will generously provide for you so that in all things and all times, you will have all that you need and plenty left over to give more to every good work. Man, no wiggle room. Like God didn't leave him an out. He said all things, all times, over and over again. He's reminding us that, uh, I mean, do you believe that verse? It's speaking directly to you about your generosity and God's response to that. Number eight, um, Oh, excuse me, seven. We got two more. Number seven, God says that if I learn to give as he gives, he will multiply what I give, that he'll take what I give and he will multiply it even further. God promises to multiply what, what I give. Uh, you see this all through the Bible, right? Uh, remember how much Jesus had at the feeding of the 5,000? He had very little and he turned it in to a, a great lunch. The people gave it, the boy gave it, he took it, broke it, blessed it, multiplied it. Throughout the Bible, you have this multiplication uh, teaching over and over again. He takes a little, and whatever, he get, whatever we give, he turns it into a lot. So, uh, you need more time, give God your time, and he will bless you and multiply your time. You believe that? He multiplies. You need more energy? Man, I live on this one right here. I just, uh, you know, instead of just being, I uh, can't make it, all that. Nope, I just give God all the energy that I have. And you know what? He, he multiplies it. 
He gives me more energy. He helps me sleep well. He helps me to find the energy that I need. I mean, I don't know. That, that, that seems to be the principle right here, this multiplying. So he's encouraging us uh, that every time that I give to God, give to other people in need, he's encouraging. Now, it's, it's kind of like planting a seed. So listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians, just as God gives, gives seeds to farmers and bread for food, God gives you a supply of seed to plant. Then he makes it grow. So there's a great harvest from, the generos- from your generosity. And God will make you rich enough to be generous at all times. Wow. You see right in the middle of your notes there? It says, recognize giving is not a debt I owe. It's a seed I sow. Giving is not a debt I owe. It's a seed I sow. God doesn't really need our money. God doesn't need my money. What God does need, why does, why does he focus on all this? It's one of the key areas of promise is that he wants you to trust in him. He wants you to trust him. I become more like him, become more generous. So giving is, a, is not a debt I owe. It's a seed that I sow. Oh, man. You know, this, uh, this place is remarkable. Uh, this place that God has given us. Uh, you know, I did some... T- I just, I wish I could spend some time telling you about my last, seems like, like my last five or six weeks or whatever, and this week where I was. So I meet these people this week, and numerous times this happens to me, and, uh, and I say, well, I'm, I'm from Pekin First. And they will say, oh, we heard about Pekin First. I think, well, well, so they, you know, I hear that all the time, you know, because, you know, we've got all these people that are out there that have been here or served here or whatever there. Um, and then I start paying attention. So these people, they're, tr- they're trying to talk to me about, um, oh, I don't know, like going other places or doing something else. There's always somebody trying to talk to me about uh, doing something else other than being in Pekin. Don't get nervous. I say no every time. Um, but what I noticed is they're, they're looking at these places and I look on there, what is happening here and there. And I noticed that, um, like I looked on there and there was these four churches, the largest churches in in this whole area that they were talking to me about. And of the four largest churches there over the last little over a year, they had four people that got saved. Four larger churches, not like this one, but, but you know, good churches had four people saved in a whole year. I just couldn't get over it. I thought, oh, not, hopefully it's not arrogant. I thought, no wonder they want me to go there. Good grief. <laughs> I mean, they look at Pekin because this place has been blessed by God. Blessed by God. God. And what is happening is, is that we are planting seeds and God is bringing about the growth. You know, it's not about Lloyd or Cheryl or staff or this or that. It's not about the name on the sign out there. It's about God taking the gifts and the offerings that we offer to him. And he's doing this this great thing. Amazing what he's accomplishing here. You know, I I was just just thinking, boy, I'm so blessed. You know, I was telling, I spent some time with Greg Mason this week. And I was reminding Greg, you know, he always gives me this sad face. Like, um, why in the world did I leave Pekin? <laughs> like he said it out loud, right to his preachers right there. Uh, and I just got to thinking about the thing. And I thought, man, just think about all these, like, 
more than 700 new Nazarene people that have joined our church uh, over, over these 13 and a half years. And that our giving has gone from about uh, $500,000. This year, when I present it to the board, uh, our income total is going to be $1.6 million. That's remarkable. Now, some of you think, well, shoot, you, they're giving that, then why do I keep, you know, keep giving? No. <laughs> like, we're working hard to even be able to do what we're doing now. Do you know what we are accomplishing because of your generosity? It's phenomenal. We're not talking about one or two people getting saved. I mean, we're, we're, having, we're responding to people that are coming to Christ just about every week in this church. And then we're over at Southside and we're over at Summit. And th- th- it's amazing what God is doing because of the seeds that are being sown. Can you help us a little more with that? Just before the previous verse, a couple verses before that, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's what I'm talking about. The, the, the reaping is happening because of the desire that God has, the generosity that he's put in our heart, and God is blessing and multiplying it over and over again. Uh, let me see if I can finish. Uh, we're going to go to number eight. Um, you look at the promises of God that he has made to us, and he says that God's promises that my giving is stored up in heaven. Hallelujah. My giving is stored up in heaven. Listen to this verse from Timothy. Use your money to do good and give generously, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Don't you love that God says real treasure? He's not just talking about something in our mind or something we think about. He says in heaven, it's being stored up uh, for us. So where are you storing up uh, your, what's coming for you in heaven? God has an account, I guess. I don't know how it all works. I don't know how he does it. But he's storing up in heaven for us when we make an eternal investment in what he has given to us. Luke 16. Jesus says, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make eternal friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Amen. Eternal friends, because we're investing. Men and women are coming to know Christ. Uh, The church is being an influence. You're being able to be an influence where you are. And your generosity and your love is being able to be used to build up treasure in, in heaven. So we had these eight things. Um, you know, if, if I put God first in my money, my generosity, if I'm tithing, if I'm giving uh, to God, I start learning to be generous. If I'm investing in the things of God, uh, good things will happen to me. My children will be blessed. Um, you know, I, I don't just get blessed, but the next generation gets blessed as well. He'll bless our work and our efforts. Uh, he will bless my influence will increase. I will end up uh, with more. God will meet all of our needs. God will multiply whatever I give uh, like Um, just like the seed and my giving is actually stored up in heaven as a treasure, a real treasure from God. So where where does all this start for us? Uh, The starting point is tithing. And so I'm 
asking you to think about that. You know, tithing is pretty simple. Uh, you got $10, you give God one, you got nine. My mother used to explain all that to me over and over again. You know, she'd, she'd nudge me before we went, before we left for church. Remember this? Remember that? Uh, you got your money? How much you got? Like she wanted an accountability here. She's worse than God. I mean, she just, she wanted to know exactly what, what, what I had. And, what, and I, you know, just in case we weren't sitting together, she just wanted to make sure uh, that, that, I, that I was ready. Tithing, part of my life since I was a child. Uh, 10%, not 1%, not 5%, not 10%. Now, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not like a rule keeper. Sometimes you, you might have to kind of figure it out for yourself. Maybe you lived in such a way that you've used all of God's money for a long time. You've got to figure out how to start giving him his money back. So you start somewhere. But tithing uh, is the goal. And God gets really specific about it. Here, listen to this verse from Malachi. Is it right to rob God? Yet you're robbing me, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we robbing you? By not returning your tithes and offering. Bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. And there, there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it. Then I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops. Test me in this. It's like the Pepsi challenge, right? He says, test me in this. You give, you give generously. I'm going to pour out my blessings on you, and the impact of our generosity is going to be amazing. Test me in this, he says. So, uh, thank you, Tom. You did a great job. Don't you appreciate thank him you, with us today? Thank you. Super. All right, two things as we close this. Okay, one is uh, at the bottom of your outline and on your communication card, it asks you, um, to make a commitment to tithing. I mean, first of all, maybe you're already there. And you say, Pastor, I'm just saying amen on the, to all this today. And uh, that'd be great. But I think it's so important that you and maybe your, your family or maybe just you alone, that you make a commitment to tithing. You're just saying, yes, I'm going to be generous. Uh, maybe you already are. You're just reaffirming that commitment. That was the first one. Second one uh, basically says that I'm willing to be a brand new tither. That means that you, you haven't been able to do that, you haven't been doing it, maybe you used to do it and you didn't, or maybe you never have before. And today in this service, you would say to God, that's the commitment I'm going to make. I'm going I'm to do that today. Uh, so I think that's something that uh, you should consider there. Or maybe you're struggling with giving and with generosity and just trying to figure it all out for your life. And if you mark there, I'm going to pray for you. I promise you, I'm not going to call you about it but I would love to pray for you about this area of generosity because if you don't deal with this, you're going to miss some of the blessings that God has for you. So the last thing is, um, what, what's the motivation here? Uh, I, I want you to, to think about a day, one day, I don't know how long, but if you're a believer one day, you're going to be around the throne of God, right? Our anticipation is that we are going to go to heaven. And when you get to heaven, 
The Bible says that you're going to be around this vast host of believers and multitude of angels. Won't that be awesome? And you're going to be singing with them or celebrating, saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. When you get there, you're going to be so glad that you knew all this stuff. Because you don't want to be, you know, slipping around in the back saying, man, sure wish I'd given more because it sure shows me now it was worth it. It was worth it. So as you're thinking about that, uh, we'll sing this song. There's a day that's drawing near When the darkness breaks to light And the shadows disappear And my faith will be my eyes Jesus has Lord, one day we're going to stand in that place. And today we celebrate that coming day. 
between this day and that day, you're going to use us. You're going to bless our generosity. You're going to pour out your blessings on us individually, as families, as a church family, as a community around us, Lord. You have great things in mind. I don't know what day you're coming back or what day I'm going to meet you. But in between now and then, you can count on me. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give to help build your kingdom. I'm going to allow you to bless the resources that you've given to me, that you allow me the opportunity and the privilege to give back to you. I thank you for where we are today and for what's coming. Thank you today for a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus about giving. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.